I'm not supposed to say this. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Um, when when I was standing back there, I uh, I could see. Uh, I believe it was Elijah, and he was called to uh, the woman's house that uh, Apostle Mike uh, taught about uh, with with a son that died. And when that son had died. I believe it was it was this one, but uh, he laid on him hand in hand, mouth mouth, feet and feet, and it made me think of Genesis. Uh, I believe it was in chapter two, when God breathed onto the man that He had formed. The man was not living; he didn't have a soul or anything until God breathed into him. And the word breathed shouldn't be past tense. It shouldn't have an ED on the end. It's a continuous breath. It's the wind. It's the wind of the Spirit. And he told me, standing back there, he said, that's a continuous breath. I've never once stopped breathing into you. So with that, it's really important when we get into this atmosphere you know, it's not just atmosphere, I shouldn't say that, into his presence. It's good to breathe in. So I was just back there, I couldn't help but just stand there and just... Yesterday I was hunting because I like to do that. But get out alone. I was talking to Carl about this this morning. I was alone with God in nature. There's something about sitting alone with Him and just being in something that He created. And I had a moment with Him where uh, Satan was working me over, trying to anyway. But all I said to Him was, uh, you know, that God's word. I told this to Amy. God's word is too loud in me right now. You, you have no say. So with that, God took me into a, I was grieving. I was sitting alone. You know, I don't have a tree stand. I'm obviously too large for most of them. I'd fall out. So I was sitting on the ground, hiding in, in a, you know, just a bunch of bushes and stuff like that, trying to be sneaky. And I looked at, I like watching the sunset and it was dull. I, you know, there was a little bit of clouds. It was just, it was just dull. I, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't appreciate it and I don't know why. And then uh, I started to, I started to grieve because God let me feel his heart for a moment. And I realized just how much, and what it was is he, he, let, he let me see how much of me is still left. And he, he told me, he says, you're trying he says, you're, you're, it's, it's baby steps. It's baby steps. You can't just be emptied of self overnight. You can't do that. You'll fail if, you're, if you expect to succeed overnight. You know, the only success we need to be concerned about is Jesus is our Lord and Savior. That's our success because he is our success. But he let me see just how much of me is left. You know, I like to be in the spotlight. That's my biggest prayer is he gets the glory, not me. I don't want people to see me. I don't want people to hear me. I don't, I don't want that. But 
I don't know who needs to hear this because I, I needed it, and I guess if nobody else needed it, then that's fine. I, I got something out of it. But when I was sitting there, I started to grieve, and I told him, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for complaining, being so focused on my, mat- my matters, what I have you know, on my agenda. I'm so sorry about that. I'm sorry I grieved you. And I asked for forgiveness. And then just out of nowhere, the sunset, it's, it's like it became alive. I, I, I don't know how else to explain that. It was dull. And then when I, when I got his heart, he, he made it alive to me. I actually took a picture of it. It was one of the most beautiful sunsets I've, I've, I've ever seen. And I, I know what I was saying when I said it. But it's, I, it's like I couldn't stop myself. I said, wow. I, I said this out loud. I didn't care. I wasn't worried. I said, the works of your hands are beautiful. I don't know who needs to hear this. I know somebody does. But God said, yes, you are. And then he, as I was looking at that sunset, he told me, he says, and all this that you're seeing, I created just for you. So I don't know if somebody's going through anything right now mentally being attacked thinking you're not worth it that sunset that I was sitting there looking at God told me that he created it just for me and he created it just for you so just remember that that's that's what I got thank you amen praise God thank you Lord well uh, what we're going to do, we're going to make a shift here. I'm going to have the ushers. If you need an envelope for your giving, would you raise your hand? And the ushers will just go ahead and receive it. I'm not going to teach on offerings. And I can defer and just let you. Well, next week you can do some and all. Kaylee, why don't you come and I'll pray for you. Yeah, is that your name? (laughs) There's two here, isn't there? Tell everybody where you're going. Amen. It's me. So... 
do we, do we really need to pray for you or mama? Because if it was me, it'd be praying for daddy, mama. <laughs> Father, extend your hands. We pray for her as she steps out of the boat, Lord, to pursue, Father, her gifts. We pray, Lord God, your angels encamp around her 24-7. We pray, Lord God, that your favor surrounds her as with a shield in the name of Jesus, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. She has favor with you, Father, and favor with men, favor with all those in authority over her. Lord, every need she has in this hour, my God, shall supply your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we loose peace upon you, Kaylee, upon your parents. And we thank you, Father God, the good work you've begun in her. Finish it to your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Kaylee, be blessed. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I, I want to just take a few minutes, and uh, then I'm going to turn it over to Kathy, and we're just... She can have all the time she wants. And, and I wouldn't do this other than that as I was mowing out here yesterday, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And uh, th- what I received was this. The Word of the Lord tested him. The Word of the Lord tested him. And, and I looked that up. Um, I'm trying to save time here without with going to, into all of it. Uh, look at uh, oh, Psalms 107. Psalms 107. If I have this right, I've got so much, so much chicken scratching and notes. <laughs> As God's ministers to me and and. Uh, Because I really believe this is for, for us. Now, do you remember what I told you last week? Um, what God spoke to my heart about. Do you remember? Last week. No, not eyes up. We're in a, we're in a season, but... I said 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Do you remember I shared from my heart, I said how God was, the, or the enemy was speaking in, into my ear lies. Time to quit. Time to throw in the towel. Time to give up. And I said this, I said, before you see a great victory, the enemy will turn the heat up. The lies and the accusations will increase and become intensified. So I said that because when when you when that's when you're experiencing that and going through that, you know you're close. You're close to a victory. Amen. Now, we said I've said this before, but we're in a battle. This nation is in a battle. The city is <laughs> in a battle. Would you agree? 
you know, the church is experiencing, you know, warfare. And when you go through battles like that, spiritual battles require spiritual weaponry. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know the blood of Jesus, the word of God and the name of God, you're not going to know how to fight the good fight of faith. And the battle takes place up here. How many would say with uplifted hands today that you've had some thoughts intensified? Maybe not just about you, or maybe it's about a loved one, your family, your job, or whatever. Well, just know he's just trying to turn the heat up. Amen? And see, Scripture tells us in Ephesians 4, it says, Nor give place, do not give ground, or give an opportunity to the devil. So when you're thinking wrong thoughts, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of unbelief, you just, oh, I'm just not going to make it. This isn't going to work. And you begin to doubt what, what you're doing. That's not God. That's the enemy. And, and Dr. Hagen used to say this, and this was a good analogy. He says, you can allow the birds to fly up above your head, but you don't need to allow them to build a nest. No nest. And so I caution you and I tell you this so, so you recognize this. Amen. Now. Let me read this to you, because this, I knew that this was about Joseph, about the word of the Lord tested him. And it's from Psalms 10, did I tell you? 107. Uh, Look at verse, oh, sorry, 105. 105, verse 19, just look over a page. It says, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Say that with me. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. I found this because I knew this, and, and uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. And, and if you listen to Bill Johnson, you'll hear his name mentioned many times because he loved him, and his name was Dick Mills, and he was a prophet. And we had the extreme, you know, blessing of, of, of being in fellowship with him many times. And he spoke over into our lives countless times. I've got all the prophecies he spoke over us. But I want you to listen to this. And this is out of his devotional. As you can see, it's fallen apart. And I have to hold on tight. He says this. Tried by the word. Tested by a promise from the Lord. Joseph was 18 years of age when the Lord gave him the promise of a miraculous ministry. Joseph waited 12 long years for the fulfillment of that promise. The waiting period was not easy, but he had a promise to hold on to. That very promise tried him as a person. The Hebrew word translated tried in this verse means to purify and refine. It is a term used to describe the removing of impurities from gold ore in order to produce pure metal. Didn't we hear that last week? The Word of God refined and purified Joseph. What was the Spirit of God calling us to? Consecration. Many Christians are taught that God... Now listen, this is good. Many Christians are taught that God uses circumstances to purify and refine them. 
There's a suffering cult which holds that human misery has redemptive value. Suffer and win points with God, he says. They seem to say. Jeremiah would not agree because he says of God, he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of man. Now listen to this statement. It was not circumstances which tested Joseph and refined him. It was the promise of God. I'll say that again. Because we go through circumstances and we think, oh, the circumstances are just building character in me. It was not circumstances which tested Joseph and refined him. It was the promise of God. His adverse circumstances cried out, no way. But the promise came back emphatically. There shall be a performance of those things promised you by the Lord. Luke one forty five. There shall be a performance of those things promised you by the Lord. How many of you have been promised something by God? Whether it's a scripture or a word from a prophetic word that came forth. He might have even spoke to your heart like he spoke to Nate. When your situation contradicts the promises and assurances God has given you, you have two choices. Are you listening? You can confess the circumstance or confess the word of promise. Remember, circumstances can change, but the word of God will never change. Like Joseph, you can live to see a beautiful fulfillment of all those things promised you by the Lord. Remember, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, shall he not make it good? He watches over his word. So you're going through some times. You're going through the fire right now. Well, you can sit down and pout, or you can give a Holy Ghost shout. It's your choice. It's my choice every day. There's a scripture that talks about the different types of soil in relation to the different types of heart. For when, you know, it talks about when tribulation arises for the word's sake. Tribulation, pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, adversity. It means crushing, squashing, squeezing, distress. God expects us to get through that. God doesn't expect us just to quit. If you're going through some difficult times, you need to do what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. You use the sword of the Spirit. You use the Word of God. Just like Nate did when he was sitting there. So you're going through hard times. We all are. Don't let the devil say you're alone because you're not. you got squirrely kids and grandkids. We all do. Now, don't take that to heart, but there are times. Right, Rich? (laughs) But you hold on to the Word. Don't let go. Amen? Okay. It's your turn now. You can start. Do whatever. Go as far as you want to. I don't care. Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Have you ever been through a time when 
you spend time with God and you just don't get nothing. It's just like banging against the wall and then you hit a gusher. I think we're starting to hit gushers. God is starting to move and he's starting to speak. It's revel- revelation is coming. There is no doubt. While you're looking, Judges uh, chapter 6, I have two quick announcements. This Tuesday at the city council chamber, that's up on 5th Street somewhere. You can look it up. There's going to be a forum about this upcoming election. The school board members will be there, city council, and there will be a debate over the sales tax proposal. Um, it talks about in the word of God that um, righteousness exalts a nation, but righteousness exalts a city also. So by being there, if you can, you're light. And we want righteousness to exalt the city. So I just encourage that. Then also this Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, our regular service, Micah has had some things on his heart. And he's going to be ministering. And it a lot of, it's going to be on about the Holy Spirit and things like that. I mean, there's he was sharing with me yesterday some of the things, and it's very good. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm a baseball fan. You've got to go back, if you're in a little bit of a hitting slump, you've got to go back to the batting cage every now and then and get the fundamentals down. We all have to. You have to go back and tweak the way you hold the bat. You have to tweak your stance and all those things. And by getting the fundamentals, which is what he's going to be talking about, we tweak those things. So I would encourage you to be there for that on Wednesday night at 7. So last week we started talking and I won't go, I really don't, Micah leans over and he says, just give everything you have. Listen, all week, I, it's like it's a gusher. And it's, uh, I've been trying to refine it down and refine it down and refine it down, and we just want to get the heart of God. That's all that matters. And actually what these, everybody else said, just, just was step A, B, C, and D, and we'll just bring it to summation. And we'll go on next week a little bit. But in... Um, Judges chapter 6, we started with this last week, so we'll go through and read. I'll hit parts of it, and then we'll skip over. And and so in verse 1, it says that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And actually, God doesn't do that. You know, if we just go into sin and sin and sin and sin, kind of like the United States has been for the last so many years, then you just start to reap the consequences of it. And Israel had rep, uh, re, was reaping the consequences of their sin, and the enemy had came in, come in and taken over. And says, and then the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. So they just went and hid, buried their heads. So it was whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up, and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them, and then they would encamp against them, destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, for they would come up from their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both them and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel, cried out to God. So at this point, all this disaster was going on, and up to this point, they had just gone and hid, buried their head, uh, tried to do it for themselves. And then they got so desperate, they finally came to the place, and they realized they needed to know, cry out to God and for God to come help them. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
he heard them. And the Lord sent a prophet, and then he so he heard them, and then he spoke to them. He sent the prophet to the children of Israel and said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you. He was telling, he's rehearsing past victory so they could get it in their thick skulls. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of all who oppressed you and drove them out before them, before you and gave them gave you their land. And also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but they did not obey, but you have not obeyed my voice. So he's saying this is what happened and this is why. But he heard them and he answered them. And in answering them, and we won't read all of this, he raised up Gideon. And Gideon was called to be the leader. And he was he raised up Gideon to lead the people, to defeat the enemy, and to restore Israel. And so we go over, and he's dealing with Gideon. And then in, uh, let's see, verse, we'll start with verse 23. So God starts with Gideon, and he has to deal with Gideon before he can get him to lead the people and do these things. And he dealt with Gideon three things. He basically gave Gideon three directives. And so we'll start in verse 23. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. And the and it, call, and it was called, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abrazites. Now it came to pass. So first, first directive don't fear and turn basically build an altar to me in other words put god first place and we that's what we talked about last week making sure and i know this people i know you you love god but there's seasons and times we kind of need to come back and reaffirm our commitment reaffirm our dedication to god we got to do that and that's what he did he told Gideon, get your eyes on me. Built an altar to me. Make me first place in your life. So that was number one. Number two. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to Gideon, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the rock on the proper arrangement, and make a, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you cut down. So Gideon took ten men with him from among his servants, did as the Lord said, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. But number one, he had to build an altar to God. He had to seek God first. Number two, he had to go tear down the altar. And basically, this is what we these guys have been talking about. All of us have altars. We have idols in our life. We have things that we get out of whack. And we have to go and pull that thing down. We have to pull that stronghold down. And that's what Gideon had to do. And he, it, it wasn't easy. He had to do it. And, and people got mad about it. If you go on, it says, And when the people, the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down. 
And the wooden image which was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And they inquired and asked. And they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this. And the men of the city came to Joash, bring your son that he may die. They were ticked that he had torn down their their idols, their altars. And, you know, right now in the natural, this is a very contentious season. There's a lot going on in the city. You can't go down a street without seeing a a political sign up. And yes and no and him and her. and, And it's contentious in the heavenlies right now. Don't let the contention get on you. But realize you have to take a stand on some things. You have to, if if we tear down the idols in our lives, then the world and the community which you are in is going to have to follow suit. But it starts with us. So, but Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal, 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 however you say that, would you save him? In other words, let, let your whatever you're serving, you know, stand for itself. Can it stand or not? Is it God? If it's really a God, then it can take care of itself. It can defend itself. So he goes on, and then just very quickly it goes on, and then Gideon goes forward, and it, he puts out a fleece. Now you understand this is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God never spoke in the heart of man. He had to speak from out to in. Now that we are born again and have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, he can speak here inward but he had to put out a fleece to assure himself that he was hearing from God because that's how God dealt with people in the old testament now we can hear on the inside which is really safer because we can't don't have to always be influenced by outside situations so he did that but then what goes on and then um Oh, I skipped a part. I want to go back. Let me go back over it. I'm trying to. It talks about. Okay, then it says, then Jeroboam. They turned his name his to Jeroboam because he's the one that tore down the altar. That is Gideon. And all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the well of Herod so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. Now I looked up this. I googled this. There's The well of Herod is, still exists. And there's a cave they call the cave of Gideon. But this is a well. Now when I think of a well, I think of Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water and it's a long narrow thing and you put your bucket down. And The well of Herod wasn't like that. It's a spring that rose up out of the mountains and poured out of the mountains and provided water and refreshment there. And I looked it up and it's hard to tell, but it was more, you realize 22,000 people and then 10,000 people came down to drink there. It wasn't a little well. It was more, from what I could tell, more the size of the water at Tahazuka. It was like that. And it was, it poured out and made kind of a river or a stream because of the wa- all the water that was coming up. So they went down there to that well. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Mennonites to their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. In other words, they were dealing with people that 
that just looked unto themselves. They had not made the commitment we talked about last week of making sure that God was first place in their life. They looked to themselves. There's so many churches in America. People tend to want to go to churches where the crowds are. They want to go there to get their emotional needs met. They want to go to get their social needs met. And that's all well and fine, but first and foremost, we need to have our relationship with God right. And that's that's first. So this 22,000 people could not deal with that. And and so God just said, just send them home. Just I still love them, but just send them home. Now, therefore, in, in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, and they're fearful and afraid because they hadn't made God first place in their life. You have to solidify that relationship with your heavenly father and it helps you deal with fear and apprehension because you learn that the greater one lives in you. So whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once for the Mount of Gilead and 22,000 of the people returned back and back home and 10,000 remained. So first they had to do that. So, so Gideon had to first build the altar Make God first. Then tear down the idols. And then he had to go prepare the army. And this is what he's doing here. But then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you here. This is, what, again, what we talked about last week. He's going to test them. And a better definition for that is I'm going to refine them. And we talked about God refining. He just talked about God refining. This was a refining minute. This was a river of refinement. They came down here. And so many times we look at it as just a big thing. But refinement is two things. What we talked about, it is getting the impurities out, and then it's making the small changes. Just the small changes in our lives. So first it had to be God. Then they had to deal with themselves. And they had to deal with those small issues in their life. And we need to improve something by making small changes. It's a, it's a preparation time. And I believe that's where we're at. So in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, first of all, look unto Jesus. So they had to look unto Jesus. And then in... And uh, John, and we won't turn there for the sake of time, but it talks about looking unto ourselves. It says, look to yourselves. So they came to the water, and at this point, they were being refined. They had to look to themselves. Now, you understand, when you come to the water, what is the water? It's the word of God. So we wash ourselves by the word of God. And so it's very important we come to the word and and we look into the word and we look on, on ourselves. What do I need to refine? What do I need to change? Years ago, I played volleyball in college. And if you understand the game, I always played on the back row. I played the left back position because that's where the hard hits come. There was just... Very little reaction. That's where the hardest hitters, and they're going to hit right here, and you learn to line up off the inside shoulder of the middle blocker and just get there and take it. It's like taking a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, and it isn't going to go much here. You just have to get in there and take that. And one year, what the worst game I ever played in my life, I'll never forget it because it's the worst game I ever played in my life, 
we were at the University of Texas in Houston, and this team was the tallest team we ever played. Obviously, I'm not very tall for volleyball. Our middle, two middle blockers were 5'11 and 6 foot. Today, they're so tall. But UT Houston had 6'1, 6'1, 6'2 all on the front row when I was here. And so they were just killing me. They were just killing our blockers. They were just killing me. It was about 110 degrees in an unair-conditioned gym, about 95% humidity. And when I was playing here in this position, I was about three foot from my coach who was having a yelling, screaming fit at me because I was just taking it in the shorts. I was not bringing up anything. And it was terrible. (laughs) We pretty much got our butts kicked. But we had to play them about a month later. And we went back to the practice room. And we made some small adjustments. We made three adjustments. Number one, our blockers were too short to block them. So, And this is just a dissertation. This is for you, Stan. This is just for volleyball. So instead of going up with the hitters... They had to hold back about a second or two so when they went up, the ball was already descending and then they could get it blocked because these hitters were hitting over their heads. And because they were hitting over their heads, when I was in this position, the ball was coming about two feet in front of me because they hit hit down so sharp. And you're so trained to be right here that I had a terrible hard time adjusting those two steps forward to get that ball. And then the third tweak we made was our servers. We practiced and we practiced and we practiced to short serve that hitter right there so she was a little off balance when she went to, when she passed the ball and then had to get back to get in position to serve or to hit. And those three little insignificant, small little tweaks made all the difference. We beat them the next time we played them. Best game I ever played. Went from the worst game I ever played to the best game I ever played. And all I had to do was take two steps forward. And so many times, everything's coming at us. And you can't figure out why God's not moving or why you're not hearing from God or all these things. Sometimes it's just that little tweak in your life, that little adjustment. And you have to go to the word of God. Go down to that river of refinement and look in the word of God and say, God, what do I need to do here? Sometimes it's just a self-management thing. I have noticed that in this last year, 2022, for me, I didn't expect it. It has been so busy. We have had so much more activity in our life. So one of the tweaks we've had to make, and we all, I think we all need to make it, is our self, our time management has to get better. God talks about we have to refine the time or, or re- We just have to get better at it. And you know, one of the things, there are so many activities. One of the most anointed words there ever was, was no. Sometimes we just have to say no. No, I need to turn off the TV 
and spend a little more time down at the river of refinement and looking at the word of God. Mike Keyes uh, wrote a book several years ago, and it was about the seven priorities of life. And just very quickly, I'm only going to mention four of them. There are four priorities in our life. God should be first. Family should be second. God created the family before he created the church. And then there's church and work, and I'm not quite sure. Sometimes work needs to be more of a priority. Sometimes church needs to be a priority. But the thing is, each one has their place. And if one of those things get out of balance, then it's all out of whack. And I've seen people, you know, through the years, we've been doing this for years, church or or you can never really spend too much time with God, but yet you can because if all you ever do is sit in your closet and pray and never wash the dishes, something gets a little out of balance. And I've seen that with ministers through the year. They have through the years they have poured themselves so much into the ministry and the work of the ministry that they've let their, they've neglected their families, and it's a sad thing. But on the other hand, we can get so involved in our families that we neglect our time with God. We neglect our church. It's it's that idol thing. You know, they had to tear down that idol. And if if one of the four things becomes an idol, then everything else is out of whack. So God gave us families. He wants us to spend time with families, enjoy families, invest in our families. But if it's all about family and not about God, then it's an idol. It's the same thing with work. Some people are just workaholics, just work, 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 work till everything else is neglected. God expects us to be balanced. We need time with God. We need time with family. We need to work and we need to church. Church, our time with God is our private time with God, but there needs to be a community time with God because here as with Gideon, he couldn't do it alone. It takes all of it. We can do so much more. Wednesday night we had prayer. I look at the problems in this nation and I think I should be praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Can't do it. But when we join together, we can accomplish so much of all those voices speaking together. And so it's very important we have that. We need those four things, but we need to make sure that we manage those things. We need to manage our thoughts. He was just talking about managing our thoughts. We need to manage our emotions. The church in America in the last 23 years has been nothing but emotion-driven. We need to be spirit-led, spirit-driven. And yes, that's fine. It can affect our emotions. But if you just come to church looking for an experience, you're off. You need to come to church looking for the God of the experience. And so it goes on from here. And we're going to talk next week. Actually, I'm not a sound person. I don't... You know, but everything I go, everything I hear, I hear so much about sound. So you can do your homework and you can read this, you know, uh, 
Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 7. It's just like I have gotten a well of information out of that. And read that. And we're just going to go on from there next week. So, again, very important. Make sure you make time to spend with God. Develop your relationship with God. And then when you do and you look into the word and you can see those things, we all have those areas that we need to tweak. And they don't have to be big things. Don't have to be major things. I'll give you one more thing, and then we'll close with this. I'll give you a true confession. If any, Some of you know this about me. From the time I was a kid, the one thing I hated in life was meetings. I hate to sit through meetings. And I made, several years ago, I said, once I retire, once we retire, I'm never going to go to a meeting again as long as I live. I don't mind if they're productive. Yeah, I don't mind them so bad if they're, but most of the time it's just, anyway, so you never say, God, I'm never going to do that. Because then a couple years ago I said, God, I just want what you want. And he sent me to the well of refinement. And I have been to more meetings this year than I had in the last 15. (laughs) Not Not done yet. But we'll go on from here because the next thing, the thing that separated the 9,700 from the 300 that went on was the 300 that went on were not only aware, but they were aware of those around them and the needs that they had. And I had to make that adjustment in my life. Even if I sit there and I still go and I grip my teeth, I go because I realize there's more going on than just about me. I would rather go to my backyard and work in the garden. But there are times I have to make the adjustment and do what God's called me to do. Even if it's just going there to sit to show support for somebody else. Now that may be not the area God's dealing with you. It can be something totally different. But when you sit down and you take time with God and you reflect where you're at and you reflect where you're going, those little adjustments, those little tweaks, make them. It's not that difficult. Usually, you know, people want to make think if they're going to go out and they're going to lose weight, they're going to run five miles a day, seven days a week, and never eat anything, never eat fast food, and you just can't maintain it. You need to just start small. Go for a walk. Okay? And it's the same thing spiritually. Just find that one thing. God will show you that one thing I need to tweak. Go to the water, look in the word, and he'll help you make those changes. Say this with me, Spirit of Grace, I give you license to tweak me. Amen. Just be obedient in doing that. God bless you. Have a good week.